Hello and welcome to the After the Amen podcast. I'm Benjamin Lee here with Miles Hester. We are really excited to start this podcast. Uh, this is something new that we're doing, and it's really designed for us to dive into the Word of God a little bit more, to talk about our sermons that we preached this past Sunday. And every Tuesday, Lord willing, we are going to publish a new podcast episode where we talk a little bit more about what was discussed in the sermon, diving into different topics, maybe a little bit more as well, and also sharing more points of application of what we can do with uh, the Word of God that we had studied from. Miles, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. I'm doing good. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited <laughs> to get started. Um, really excited to talk more about Acts 17, the text I talked yeah. about on Sunday. So that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, let's dive right into it. So you already mentioned that you preach from Acts chapter 17. And for those who were here or who were not here, uh, your sermon title was called To an Unknown God. Um, in a couple of minutes, give us a summary. What was this sermon about? And what did we learn about this God in Acts chapter 17? Yeah, so this sermon was um, taken from Acts 17, specifically the last part of Acts 17. Um, earlier in Acts 17, Paul is in Thessalonica and Berea. He's on his second missionary journey. And when he gets to Athens, everywhere he goes, he's talking about the resurrected Christ, who, who was the Messiah. And every town he goes into, he goes into the synagogue and starts talking about this Christ. But then in Athens, it's kind of a more philosophical uh, background that you see in his audience. So obviously he's talking to Jews. He's talking to uh, God-fearing Gentiles as well. But then there's kind of these different schools of thoughts, Epicureans, Stoics. I'm sure we'll talk about those in a few minutes. But um, he's talking about all the, he's talking to all these different groups of people. And he sees this inscription where the title of the sermon comes from, To the Unknown God. And that really gets him started talking about this God that he serves. And so in the sermon, after talking about the audience, really most of the sermon was pretty much just creating a list of all these different things in verses 24 through 29, really, where Paul just kind of, in a sense, is listing a lot of different things about the God he serves and talking about what he's like. And then he kind of reaches his conclusion and where I concluded in verses 30 and 31 that the times of ignorance God has overlooked, but now everyone everywhere is called to repent. And we talked a little bit about what that looks like, and that was pretty much it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, so Paul's in, uh, he's in his second missionary journey. He is uh, traveling to a variety of places. He went to Thessalonica, as you mentioned, and then Berea. Uh, one of the things, Miles, that you and I have talked about in leading up to this sermon, and you may have mentioned it as well in your sermon. I can't remember. I don't think you did, but I think it was in your outline. You know, Paul had this courage that it's such a great example for us that wherever he went, so many different people, God-fearing Greeks, the the Jews, um, as you mentioned already, Epicureans and Stoics, uh, but nothing really seemed to phase Paul. So it didn't mean that he didn't, he was never afraid because we know in passages like Acts chapter 18, the Lord is going to speak to him. Then begin, I believe also in Acts 23 or Acts 24, uh, the Lord's going to speak to him again in another vision to keep on telling him what to do. 
but I think it's just a great example for us that no matter where we may be, um, let's talk to people about Jesus. And obviously, culture has changed quite a bit, but maybe it really hasn't, because that's one of the things you talked about, right? The same kind of audience that he was talking to, it is very similar to to people today. Talk to us a little bit more. You mentioned um, in Acts chapter 17 that some of the people in the audience that Paul is going to talk to in verse number 18, they are described as Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. So Stoicism, it feels like it's kind of made a resurgence, right? Um, but tell us a little bit more about the Epicureans and Stoics and what were some of their beliefs? It's actually interesting that you say that about it making a resurgence because when I when I Googled Stoicism to kind of do some research about it, one of the first things that came up was like four benefits or five benefits, however many benefits mm-hmm. to practicing Stoicism. And kind of what they, um, what the Stoics believed was, I have some notes here, um, Stoicism teaches us to focus on the things that we can control, our thoughts, emotions, and actions while accepting the things that we cannot. So uh, you do kind of see that a lot today where, well, some things are outside of my control, but I'm just trying to do what I can do. Uh, I mentioned in the sermon as well that Stoics kind of had this general kind of vague idea of God as far as the universe being this living being and that kind of being their view as God, view of God, whereas the Epicureans were pretty much atheist and viewed um had this view of the human life where we just kind of start as molecules and we when we die we die and that's it and so the epicureans specifically were really big on pursuing pleasure avoiding pain i think i said something in the sermon along the lines of the epicureans might have said um do whatever makes you happy as long as it doesn't hurt anybody um Mm -hmm. because that's kind of something you hear a lot today but um that's kind of where the Epicureans and Stoics seem to have been coming from. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of emphasis on them today. With um, obviously, I think I hear more about Stoicism, and in some respects, you know, controlling our mind and what we think and things like that. You know, from a biblical standpoint, we have passages like Philippians chapter four and verse number eight, um, where Paul speaks about where our mind should be, what we should be meditating upon, right? Things that are good and things that are true. But also people need to make sure they have an understanding that and it kind of almost sounds like pantheism where everything is everything is God. Right. And so one of the things that you were trying to emphasize in your lesson as well, which I believe has great application for us, is that there is a clear distinction that Paul is making between the creator and the created. Walk us through some of those distinctions. Uh, you mentioned verses uh, 24, I believe, through 29. Walk us through some of those distinctions, because I think this is something really important for us as Christians to understand, because so much of today, I think a lot of thoughts are everything just kind of blends together. Everything is really God. Right. And you can, you know, just be spiritual and you kind of talked about you got a story I I want you to share as well of some of some women who kind of had this idea of, you know, just uh, everything is maybe God. So talk to us a little bit. What is Paul making very clear with respect to, now there is a clear distinction that there is a creator and what he has created. Yeah, well, a couple things about that. One is, that I'll just start with the story that you mentioned because that's kind of a good springboard. Um, yeah, I 
a lot of times I thought of these women a lot of times as I was studying Acts 17 and putting this sermon together. One, one time I was talking to these women in a goodwill who were, um, I think, looking at Christian books. And so somehow it came up that I was a preacher and they, I asked them if they went to church anywhere and they said, oh, well, we go on walks outside every day and that's kind of our church. And I really didn't know what to do with that because that's just such a difference between, you know, what the Bible talks about as the church that Jesus came to establish versus just going for a walk outside every day. Just And like you mentioned, this vague idea of what God is or what church is. And that's what Paul and something I tried to drive home in the sermon is some of these people in verse 21, we're told all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. But that's not why Paul's here. Paul didn't come to Athens. Paul didn't get chased to Athens just to talk about philosophy and religion and just kind of chat for a while. Um, but going back to your question about these distinctions between the creator and the created, I think the biggest, broadest distinction is how unlimited God is. We're told that he spans all these different times between different rulers and different empires. Um, and we come from him. We need him to live. He doesn't need us to for him to live, um, just so many things. And then later oh, in verse 29, we ought not to think of the divine being as gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the imagination of man. We can't imagine God or we can't come up with some sort of image that accurately re represents who God is. He created us and he created gold and silver and stone and all of those things. So mm -hmm. it's kind of ridiculous for us to think that we can accurately represent him or imagine what he might look like or mm -hmm. put him in a box in any way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things you kept mentioning was uh, unlimited or uncontained. And we certainly see the, the great power uh, of God as well. But yet, and this is something I'm glad you emphasized, and I think there's application here as well, despite his power and wisdom and knowledge, he still loves us. He still desires right. a relationship with us. One of the things that uh, Paul says in verse number 27, he did this so that they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. So, you know, you mentioned those two women that you were talking to at Goodwill. One of the things I like to do, and it can be a little bit challenging, especially when someone just says something that's like, I've never heard that before, right. yeah, is to say, you know, wow, wow, that's a really interesting statement. I've never heard that before. Tell me more. How is the church just walking in nature? And that's a way sometimes to kind of get a little bit, maybe a better understanding of what they're thinking, uh, because we, we don't have to necessarily answer everything right there. But, you know, I, maybe these women have been seeking there has to be something bigger. There has to be something more. And a lot of people are seeking and, and asking questions about where did we come from? Why am I here? You know, what is my purpose? I'm curious for you, Mal, some thoughts that you may have on this. In verse 27, he did this so that they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he's not far from each one of one of us. So we know that it's possible to find this true and living God. 
what are some thoughts if you're talking to someone or for some of the members here to, that you can maybe share that we can help others so that they can seek and find uh, God? What, what thoughts come to, to your mind? I think a big thing is if you realize that the Bible is the word of God, you have 66 books <laughs> that he wrote for you to get to know him better. And that was one big thing that struck me putting this sermon together was the same God that is in control of politics and created everything and has been around forever. And the same God that's been involved in human humanity throughout all time wants a relationship with me. So if I think that's a big thing to share with people is it's not people might have this inaccurate view of God that he's just waiting to judge everyone and he just wants to condemn everyone but that's not true he he created us so that he could love us and so that we could love him back and i think like you mentioned with these women in goodwill you know it's a lot of people kind of are are almost on the right track where it's good that you see nature and you realize that there's something beautiful about it but if you don't realize that the God who created all of nature, like why not go directly to the source? You don't have to like, yes, go on a walk in nature, but get to know the creator also. And so not only that, so just kind of connecting some of those dots as far as, you know, yes, creation is a good thing, but get to know the creator or, and realize that this book, the Bible is contains so much more information about who he is and what he expects of you. And um, I think that can really kind of um, put seekers on the right track in that way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, there's also, excuse me, <laughs> excuse me. There's also, uh, there's a responsibility that we have. That's, that's one of the thoughts that I'm seeing here, Miles, too, in verse number 27, um, that, that we do have a responsibility and that, that God has given us the, the understanding and the brain to understand when we look around us, uh, you know, this, this can't be by accident. I like how one preacher described it. You know, you have abstract revelation. And by that, he was talking about the creation. Uh, I think Paul, well, I know Paul talks about this, right? In Romans chapter one, you know, that we can see, that we can understand. Let's turn over there and let's take a quick look. Uh, those who are listening, you hear our pages turning over to uh, Romans chapter, uh, chapter one and verse number 20. For his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. I think that's a really great point for all of us to really think about and to share with others, right? That, yes, take the time to look at creation. Take the time to get outside and enjoy creation. Jesus talked about this too, right? In the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter six, when he talked about do not worry and consider the lilies of the field, consider the birds of the air. So we need to take the time to consider this. And we have this, uh, this abstract revelation, if you want to describe it like that, there has to be something behind what we have today. So what you're saying then, Miles, is then we have to go to concrete revelation. And that concrete revelation is these 66 books. So people have to get, be curious and to investigate, okay, where do I turn to? 
And we know God providentially works. Uh, we see that throughout the book of Acts as well. Even with Paul maybe being in Athens, he's being driven out of Thessalonica and then Berea. And then now he's in Athens for this moment, for this opportunity. So there's some great thoughts there that can really help us out as well. Uh, you mentioned judgment. You talked about judgment as well in your sermon. And in Acts chapter 17, verse 30 and 31, Paul makes it very clear to his audience that, yes, we, we need to talk about this God, but we also need to understand something else, that, that judgment day is coming. How can we know that judgment day is coming? It hasn't happened yet. A lot of people mock and say, well, like Second Peter chapter 3, where is this God? Everything remains the same. What was the proof? What was the evidence that uh, Paul used or gave to this audience so that they knew judgment day one day will come? Specifically, what he mentions in the very last sentence of his sermon, actually, is, um, and of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead, specifically talking about Jesus, of course. And, you know, you see Jesus rise from the dead. And I think for a long time, maybe I kind of overcomplicated the premise of our faith. But really, if you just, if you realize that the tomb is empty, then what does that mean? <laughs> and so, I, you know, if I want to be like Christ and if I want to get to know the creator better, kind of, he kind of makes, simplifies it. He talks about a lot of big abstract things in these verses, but then bringing it home to Jesus and saying, this Jesus came as a man, died, rose from the dead so that you could have a hope of surviving judgment and, and being with this God that created you on the other side of judgment. And so I think that is, I mean, that's massive evidence as not only as to who God is, but the fact that he has a character that expects righteousness. He's not judging emotionally or just, you know, deciding who he likes best or something like that. He has a standard that he's put forward. And, um, and Jesus obviously taught a lot while he was here about what type of person he expects us to be what God expects from his creation. And so then all of those things can help us moving forward at post-resurrection um, as we wait for this day of judgment. And we kind of, and we, you can kind of get stuck in that mindset of, well, what does God expect from me? What am I supposed to do? Who am I supposed to emulate? But we have the gospels that tell us about Christ. And we have these letters after that, tell us what the church is supposed to be doing and all of those resources to tell us what to wait for and what to be looking for and working toward. Um, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we need to wrap up here in just a few minutes. I want to just conclude with the last three verses. You did a great job, Miles, talking about, as we talk about the true and living God and Jesus who is resurrected from the dead, there are going to be some in verse 32 who began to ridicule Paul. And then there were others who said, we'll hear you again about this. And then in verse 34, there were some who joined him. So I think that's a great template to just remember when it comes to evangelism for us, that it's not, it's not merely about the numbers. If you look at this trip here in Athens, and we just said, okay, if it's only strictly about the numbers, then Paul was not that successful. But every soul matters. Every soul matters. And so we're not going after, it's not always going to be 3,000 like on the day of Pentecost. 
Uh, it's not always going to be like those in Thessalonica. But there were some. Um, a leading official um, in verse 34, uh, a woman named Damaris and others with them. So the gospel, never be ashamed of it because it doesn't matter if it's a, a woman, a man, some kind of leading official in the city or governor or whoever it may be, someone with a reputation or with power, never be ashamed of the gospel. And that's the, I think that's one of the big lessons to take home from this as well. Don't be ashamed that there is a creator. And you mentioned this in your sermon, Mao's. He created everything in six days. Paul believed the creation account in Genesis chapter one and Genesis chapter two. So what I'm taking away from this is it's a great example of evangelism. When we have these opportunities and you started really broad, you know, if you're in AT&T Stadium, what are you going to say when somebody says, here's your microphone? Well, that's not going to happen for any of us. I think I can say that. I could be wrong, but I think right now that's probably not going to happen. So we not just like need to it. focus on Thanksgiving, right? We get intimidated at the dinner table with family or at the gym or, you know, conversations in, uh, in public. And we don't have to give a long sermon like Paul did, but we just drop some of these nuggets to help people to see there is a God. He is alive. And let me tell you about this God. So those are just some additional thoughts that I think would be good for us. Uh, Miles, any final thoughts for the audience regarding this sermon to an unknown God? I think one thing that kind of like you said, going forward with evangelism and things like that, not only the reactions, but also just sharing what I know. That was kind of what, you know, another thing I said in the intro was, how much do you think you know about God? And especially for us Christians or, or the Christians listening or watching, you know, we know quite a bit about God, but if I can, and I even think about, you know, bringing it back to those women in Goodwill, if I had just said, well, here's what I think the church is, or here's the God I serve, or, you know, and um, I think Paul's tactic here is really, could be really benefit is really beneficial where just let me share what I think. Um, and see what you think about it, you know, and kind of start some of those spiritual conversations like I know you and I have talked about before. Um, yeah. So that's really beneficial, too, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, this is our, our first post-sermon after the Amen discussion. Um, this is going to be really great. And our goal is to encourage all of those who are listening and watching to continue to go back to God's Word. Let's continue to study God's Word. Let's stay connected to what the Holy Spirit has revealed to us in his word. And we thank you for listening. Uh, tomorrow night, Wednesday, we have our Bible classes at the West Main Church of Christ in Louisville, Texas at 7 p.m. We have a guest speaker. We're going to be studying from 2 Timothy, I believe, chapter 4 tomorrow night. We'd love for you to come and study with us. And then this coming Sunday, we have Bible classes for all ages at 9 a.m. And our worship services begin at 10 a.m. So we hope and pray that you'll come and visit us. And if you have any Bible questions, please let us know. On behalf of Miles, thank you so much for listening. Take care and God bless.